Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. Bodhidharma's wake-up sermon. Every suffering is a Buddha seed because suffering impels mortals to seek wisdom. But you can only say that suffering gives rise to Buddhahood. You can't say that suffering is Buddhahood. Your body and mind are the field. Suffering is the seed. Wisdom, the sprout, and Buddhahood, the grain. Mortals liberate Buddhas, and Buddhas liberate mortals. This is what's meant by impartiality. Mortals liberate Buddhas because affliction creates awareness. And Buddhas liberate mortals because awareness negates affliction. There can't help but be affliction. And there can't help but be awareness. If it weren't for affliction, there would be nothing to create awareness. And if it weren't for awareness, there would be nothing to negate affliction. When you're deluded, Buddhas liberate mortals. When you're aware, mortals liberate Buddhas. Buddhas don't become Buddhas on their own. They're liberated by mortals. Buddhas regard delusion as their father and greed as their mother. Delusion and greed are different names for mortality. Delusion and mortality are like the left hand and the right hand. There's no other difference. When you're deluded, you're on this shore. When you're aware, you're on the other shore. But once you know your mind is empty and you see no appearances, you're beyond delusion and awareness. And once you're beyond delusion and awareness, the other shore doesn't exist. The Tathagata isn't on this shore or the other shore, and he isn't in midstream. Arhats are in midstream, and mortals are on the other shore. On the other shore is Buddhahood.
Hello, everybody. Nice to see many of you again and some of you for the first time. Um, it's a real Rohatsu session when it's cold outside and it's snowing and there's absolutely no temptation to put your mind outside because it's just too cold out there. So you just turn inside and turn inside and feel the warmth of the people around you, the vitality of the practice of all of the people sitting with you, the people sitting across from you and next to you, and going deep inside, but feeling the presence of other people, the presence of all the people delving into practice and how wonderful that is, how wonderful. Many people here have no access to a sangha to sit with. And so we sit on our own most of the time, which is in itself a very wonderful experience. But there's something so beautiful in sitting with other people and having other people lift you up, the energy of the collective practice. So important and so precious and so rare that you should all appreciate it and savor it for as long as it lasts. So Bodhidharma's wake up sermon. It's actually, it's quite a long sermon and I've just um, quoted three paragraphs from it. It's um, printed in this book, The Zen Teaching of Bodhidharma, translated and edited by Red Pine. Um, I encourage you all to, if you can, get a your hands on a copy and read it as closely as you can. How many people here right now are suffering? Okay. Suffering with pain, perhaps illness, perhaps sadness, perhaps fear, Confusion? And how many people, when they had Thanksgiving a few days ago, gave thanks for their suffering? Yeah, probably not a whole lot of people. But the very first thing that Bodhidharma says in this excerpt is suffering 
Every suffering is a Buddha seed. Every hardship, every pain, every bit of confusion, of sorrow, of grief, every bit is a Buddha seed. Without our suffering, we have no motivation to practice, no motivation to sit, regardless of how we may be feeling, because we know that in sitting, we come to awareness. And awareness is the negation of affliction. Awareness is the salve, is the ointment that cures. But there's a a saying, and there's a koan about this saying, medicine and illness cure each other. Medicine taken without illness is a kind of poison. Illness suffered without medicine is a kind of death sentence. You need medicine. At the same time, medicine without suffering has no point, has no reference. Suffering is suffering because of the relationship that we have with our suffering. To be aware of suffering makes it into something else. There may be pain, there may be grief, there may be sorrow, there may be loneliness, but in awareness, there's also a welcoming, there's an opening, there's a softening The other day I was driving with my wife and she asked me, so if somebody came to you and asked you, what's what's the point of Zen? Or what are you trying to do in Zen? What would you say? I thought about it for a little bit. And I said, opening your heart and your mind to reality. And that doesn't mean opening your heart and your mind to 
pleasant reality, alone. Yes, opening your mind to pleasant reality is a wonderful thing. Opening your heart to joy and sunshine and great good feeling is a wonderful thing. And that certainly is part of Zen. But opening your mind and your heart to all of your experience, to the pain that is in your knee as you sit, to the pain that's in your heart when a loved one dies, or some awful thing happens. Not running away, but embracing. Knowing that this affliction is the seed that yields wisdom. There's um there's a Tibetan Buddhist practice called Tonglen, and um, there's a uh, in the uh, tradition which practices Tonglen. There's a series of um, teachings called the Lojong teachings. It's a series of 81 slogans. They're sayings that uh, you can repeat and reflect on and meditate on. And one of those sayings, one of those slogans, is three objects, three poisons, three seeds of virtue. The three objects are the experience of pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral events. An event can be anything from a physical sensation to a mental sensation, a memory, a plan, an emotion, physical, mental, or emotional states. So those are the objects. And the three poisons are the same three poisons that we talk about. We usually call them greed, anger, and delusion. Um, In some other traditions, they're called grasping, aversion, and ignorance. Essentially the same same poisons. And you're going to become well acquainted with those poisons during this session, if you're not already. Greed, anger, and delusion. Grasping uh, is a little more inclusive than greed. Um, but you may feel this when you're sitting, when you're sort of leaning into your experience, 
you're leaning into the breath and trying to grab it and it's sort of catching, it's not smooth. That's one form of grasping. And I'm sure that everybody has had that at some point or another. I know I have many times. Um, you'll find grasping when you're thinking about um, the meal that's going to be coming or thinking about, well, how much should I take? What, how much can I eat without actually making myself sick? And this is, this is one of the poisons that can make you miserable. And the antidote to the poison is to just shine a light on it. As it arises, become aware of it. That doesn't mean that you have to explore it ad infinitum and ad nauseum, but to become aware of that feeling and just say, oh, yeah, I'm leaning in, I'm, I'm reaching, I'm trying to hold on. And the same thing with aversion, anger or fear just recognize as it happens. Recognize the feeling. Recognize the effect that it has on your condition. And then let it go. And don't blame yourself for having the feeling, but just let it go. And the third poison, delusion, or ignorance How many of you sometimes when you're doing Zazen just feel like there's just nothing there? Like, like you're dead, like you're zoned out, spaced out, and just nothing, nothing is happening? That's ignorance. Ignorance is just kind of you're not being stimulated. And so when you're not being stimulated, it's, your experience is neither pleasant nor unpleasant. It's just neutral. We have a tendency to get very, very bored and just kind of zone out. And we ignore whatever actually is there. The three poisons are called poisons because they serve as a kind of armor. They are defense to opening your heart and your mind. When you're grasping, you can't open your heart. When you're angry, you can't open your heart. And when you're just dead, 
you can't open your heart. The three poisons are, in a way, the opposite of the three treasures. The treasure of Buddha is the opposite of ignorance. The awakened mind, the clear light of awareness. That clear light has a kind of brilliance to it, which is the opposite of the deadness of ignorance. The poison of grasping is the opposite of sangha. When we close ourselves off by trying to hold on, it's the opposite of opening ourselves by giving to each other by giving to the practice, by giving to the zendo, to the sangha. Being present for one another and the poison of aversion or anger or fear the opposite of dharma. I'm making an assumption that everybody knows who Bodhidharma is and the history of Bodhidharma, which may or may not be a good assumption. Um, Very, very briefly, um, he was um, an Indian prince who studied with um, the last uh, purely Indian um, patriarch in our lineage, Prajnatara, who suggested to him that he go to China to spread the Dharma. China was not um, virgin territory for Buddhism at the time. There were many, many priests and many temples. There were probably around um, three or 4,000 temples in northern China when Bodhidharma went there. Um, He went there sometime around 500 um, in the common era. So around 1,000 years after Buddha and about 1,600 years before our present time. And not a whole lot is known about Bodhidharma's time in China with absolute certainty. Um, What is known is that he had only one successor, uh, Eka, who is also in our lineage. And between Bodhidharma uh, and Eka and their disciples and Dharma descendants, the 
Zen lineage passed from India to China and then on to Japan. It was a good time for Buddhism uh, when Bodhidharma went. Um, there were around uh, 30,000 or 60,000 um, uh, laity in China. And around 50 years after he arrived, there were around 2 million ordained. Um, so the Buddhist uh, presence was just exploding at the time. Even still, he only had one successor. So it tells you how very radical he was in terms of Chinese uh, Buddhist practice. Very, very uncompromising character. Every suffering is a Buddha seed because suffering impels mortals to seek wisdom. But you can only say that suffering gives rise to Buddhahood. You can't say that suffering is Buddhahood. Your body and mind are the field. Suffering is the seed. Wisdom the sprout and Buddhahood the grain. This is practice. Without suffering, no practice. But suffering in itself is not the good. It's not the, the fruit. It's simply the seed. What you do with it is everything. What you do with it is governed by your relationship with it. whether you are able to recognize and be aware when grasping and aversion and ignorance are clouding your judgment, and whether you can be open to those poisons and simply recognize them without getting bent out of shape about it. Recognize it and then drop it. Recognize it and drop it. Mortals liberate Buddhas and Buddhas liberate mortals. By mortals, he means anyone who is subject to Affliction. Mortals liberate Buddhas because affliction creates awareness. Affliction creates awareness, but what you do with affliction is really It's, it's a very, it's a kind of um, 
almost a dance of coming close, observing, touching it, recognizing it, and then letting it go. Not holding on to it, not getting obsessed with it, not getting carried away with it, not getting carried away with your relationship with it. When you're having daydreams, daydreams are a kind of affliction. What do you do when you have daydreams? Do you yell at yourself for having daydreams? Or you say, oh, that's daydream again. Okay. Just recognize it and walk back from it. The same with emotions that arise, feelings that arise, thoughts that arise. Recognize the thought and drop it. If it weren't for affliction, there would be nothing to create awareness. And if it weren't for awareness, there'd be nothing to negate affliction. When you're deluded, Buddhas liberate mortals. When you're aware, mortals liberate Buddhas. It's this relationship between the mind, the heart-mind, and experience. Not turning your back on experience, cultivating the awareness of experience, but not being caught by it, not being dragged by it. With awareness, the affliction is negated. But without the affliction, awareness has nothing really to grab onto. Buddhas regard delusion as their father and greed as their mother. That's a, that's a tough one. Buddhas regard delusion as their father and greed as their mother. It says something about the relationship that you have to have with the three poisons. 
to recognize that they are necessary in terms of giving birth to something giving birth to Buddhahood. But only when they are set aside. In another one of his sermons, Bodhidharma talks about beholding the mind. That's his breakthrough sermon. If someone is determined to reach enlightenment, what's the most essential method he can practice? The most essential method, which includes all other methods, is beholding the mind. Observing what is happening from moment to moment to moment. what's happening in the body, what's happening in the mind, what's happening in the heart. Beholding the mind. The mind encompassing the body, the heart, and all mental processes. The mind being beyond all of that. I'd like to read you a poem that I wrote. It's a recent poem. And like a lot of poems that um, I write, it took me a while to um, figure out just what the poem was about, and perhaps perhaps it will have the same effect on you, but um, it's in some way appropriate for uh, this text. It's called Where Your Heart Used to Live. Where your heart used to live, the angels beat reddened wings, raising dry dust and whispers. A prayer for rain resounds. Where your heart used to live, an invisible hand sweeps out radar in a blackened chasm. A listening station abandoned since the Cold War ended. Where your heart used to live is a stony garden. You rake the seeds of sweated blood and trim the shadow of the tree. It has been a long time 
your heart has gone home. Somewhere someone remembers but cannot name. Session, in a way, is about your heart going home. You may not be able to name that home, but that is where your heart belongs. And when I say heart, you can understand heart-mind your heart and your mind are a unit. Wherever your heart used to live, whatever suffering has impelled you towards this practice, it has been a long time and your heart has gone home. Your home is not where your heart used to live. Your home is where your heart is right now, where your mind is right now. Where your awareness is right now. Whatever has gone before, and whatever difficulty comes up, your home is in this very moment, this very breath. And if grasping or aversion or ignorance seems to be laid over your heart like an armor plating, remember always that your home is not below this armor. Your home is always accessible to you from one moment to another, just by being here, present, now, even when it seems very difficult, even when it seems that it requires superhuman patience, When you do Zazen, you are practicing all of the six paramitas at the same time. The first is generosity. The generosity of opening your heart. The generosity of making yourself an offering to all beings. Being present for all beings, 
sharing with all beings the suffering of all beings and understanding the depth of suffering, understanding the joy of liberation from suffering. If, even if only for a moment, I think everyone who does session here, however difficult session may be, has some moment of clarity, some moment in which the three poisons have fallen away and the light of awareness, the Buddhahood has come into focus And for some people, that may be only five minutes out of a whole week. For other people, it may be five days out of a week. For rare individuals, it may be a liberation that transcends time. But that doesn't matter. It's your heart which is finding its home. And in your home, in your heart, all beings can find a home. This is generosity. This is Sangha. Paramita of discipline, ethical discipline. Simply offering yourself with a pure heart is discipline. Following the rules of session is discipline. Practicing when practice is difficult is discipline. You may notice that the paramitas don't have clear dividing lines. Generosity and discipline and patience have very blurry lines between them. Patience is perhaps the most essential quality of Zazen. Being with whatever comes up, good, bad, indifferent, being with the desire to run out of the zendo at times, being with boredom, being with frustration, 
and whatever comes up, simply saying, hmm, this too shall pass, because it always does. It's always changing, moment to moment. Whatever difficulty comes up, that will pass. And there'll be moments of clarity and those will pass. Moments of confusion and those will pass. But through it all, practicing the virtue of patience and perseverance. And that also is one of the qualities of the home for your heart. the calm abiding. Whatever comes up. It has been a long time. Your heart has gone home. I hope that speaks to you in some way. I hope during the session, each of you will have the experience of finding your home finding the refuge in Buddha, Dharma, and Sangha, finding the refuge in generosity, discipline, patience, zeal, meditation, and wisdom. You have the field of your body and mind. You have the seed of suffering. You have the sprout of wisdom. Even when you feel that you're confused, even when you feel that this is difficult, this is hard, even when you put those obstacles in front of yourself, the obstacle of naming difficulties, creating barriers, wisdom will sprout. You may or may not recognize it at the time. Hopefully you do but it will with patience, with opening. I'm so happy to be here with all of you. Be kind to yourselves. Most of all, with all of the difficulty of session, be kind to yourself be kind to those around you. Even if you can't speak, let your kindness radiate outwards. Let your love for one another radiate outwards. Let yourself be at home and make a home in your heart for everyone that is here with you. 
and everyone who could not be here with you, everyone on the other side of the Zendo gate, open your heart, open your mind, practice with patience and zeal and presence moment to moment. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.